How are y'all now this morning? We all should be pretty awesome, huh? <laughs> that was that was really really awesome this morning, and it was really cool because uh, right before that, I just felt in my spirit to take communion and do what Chad was was uh, leading us into, and I just it's just so so awesome how the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Just how awesome he is in, in all of us. And, and uh, man, I don't know how to start or what to, to really say myself. But I'm going to share my heart, what God's been stirring in me this week. Um, and I ask that, that you, uh, where you're at, <clears throat> that maybe you uh, ask the Lord to show you for your life. But uh, as I begin to, to study and go through the process of, of what Jesus did for us, this, I got stuck on this one passage in John that, uh, that really stirred me. And I feel like that uh, it's for all of us. And it's, it's to stir us if we'll really... If we'll really Think about what happened in this moment. So as Jesus was, was uh, taken captive and they, they took him to Pilate. This is, I want to start in John 18, 33 is where I'm going to start reading. And the Jewish leadership is wanting to crucify Jesus. And Pilate takes him in his room and he comes in. In this moment, this is where I want to... Uh, To start off here this morning. And I'm going to be reading out of the Passion. It just, for me, it just, I don't know, just it meant something different. I went through the other Gospels and through different translations, but I love this, this part in John. It says, Upon hearing this, Pilate went back inside his palace and summoned Jesus Looking him over, Pilate asked him, Are you really king of the Jews? So in this moment, I began to not just read this, but think about if I'm in Pilate's shoes. Just think about if you walked into a room and it's just you and Jesus in this moment. And you're looking at the king of kings and you ask him this question. And he replies, are you asking because you really want to know? Or are you only asking this because others have said it about me? Has anybody found themselves, have you ever been in this position? When, can you imagine looking at Jesus in his eyes, looking, glaring back to you? I just, could, I just was kind of trying to imagine myself in this scenario. What did Pilate see looking back at him? I believe all of a sudden in an instant, Pilate began, to, he knew. And that's why after this, he began to try to get out of this. And he tried to wash his hands of something. And I think as oftentimes as believers, we, we've been taught in this culture that it's, it's pretty simple. It's easy. God's grace and mercy, you're a good place. 
Um, where are you at with the Lord? Do you know him? Do you want to know him upon what he can do for you? Or do you really want to know him? You know, and as we've, we know when it talks about knowing Jesus, knowing somebody in the Old Testament, there's an intimacy that produced something, right? And to truly know Jesus intimately, what, what does that mean? Do you, do you want to really know him? And, and what does that invitation, invitation require out of your life? To know him and the power of his resurrection, right? And so, um, so knowing Jesus is going to bring us to a place where we have to make some decisions that might call for death to bring forth a resurrection. Is anybody in here going through some things in their life that feels like it feels dead? Like, is there, lately, has there been anything that feels like you're, there, there's just, it's not looking good? We all want to, we are, I mean, I, I want to emphasize, I am, it is, today, the resurrection day is awesome, but what about Friday and Saturday? What did they go through? What did the disciples go through? What, what did all these people that, that, that held on to the, to the love of their life, they gave everything, gave up jobs, gave up, the, gave up everything. How did it look to them Friday and Saturday? So if we go into John 29, let's read that real quick. I'm going to jump ahead and I'm going to jump back. So I don't, can y'all follow me if I do that? <laughs> I appreciate the patience. Let's see, this, it says here, this is the resurrection. This is, <clears throat> this is at the end here. And it says, for in, it says, let, let's go back here to 20. So in 21, this is where in the Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and she arrived and she discovered the stone they would, that had been sealed, the entrance to the tomb had been moved away. She went and got the other disciples. And so you go down into verse 20 and in verse 9, it says, For until then they hadn't understood the scriptures that prophesied that was destined to rise from the dead. So then all of a sudden they start remembering all the things he had told, that he had told them beforehand that, that he was destined to rise. But if any of y'all going through a circumstance right now and you, you've had a word from the Lord or someone spoke something to you that, that, there, that there's going to be resurrection in your circumstance, does it feel like it on Friday and Saturday? But I just, I really want to... Uh, Hopefully, I can get what the Lord has stirred in my heart for us as a body is 
is this situation with Pilate. And what it means to truly know him. And are we willing to do what Chad was talking to us about in Genesis? Are we willing to sacrifice something? Are we willing to go through something in order for there to be a resurrection? You know, even what we relating to the marriage thing, that's what was on my heart when I took communion this morning is I want to receive his invitation to me. I want to be one with him. What does that mean? I want to partake of his broken flesh and partake of the blood that he shed for me. What does, what does that mean? I want to be one with him. Not only in his resurrection, I want to be one with him in the sacrifice. And I know I've shared this a lot, but for so long in my life, my goal, my thought process was always about what I needed. It was that, was, is that the heart of Jesus? Is that why he went to the cross? His intentions was us, correct? So I got to have this intention in my life. Not just for, but it starts in my marriage. Am I willing to do that for my wife, regardless of what she may do or not do. That's, that's the kind of life I want to live. And I want to be willing, you know, what, what does it take to lay your life down in a relationship? You know, what, what does all that mean? Like, does it mean that when they act a certain way that you... You reach back with love, that you hold your tongue. Like how many times in Scripture did, could have Jesus annihilated somebody with, with a response and he held his lips? So in this moment as I was reading this deal with being with Pilate, I mean, you have the king of all kings. They could literally say or do whatever he wanted to do. And he kept his lips closed, Right? And right after this place where I'm talking about, he gets into saying, I'm not of this world. Do we find ourselves in those circumstances? Do we instantly, in that moment, say our wife, my wife says something against me, or your wife, or your husband, in that moment, are you thinking eternal kingdom? That's where, that's where I need to get. But is that what I'm doing? How do I um, produce life and fruit in, in my home? How do I do it? do it? Do I do it by responding and lashing back? Or do I do it by sacrificing? And sometimes it's just keeping my mouth shut. Chad has been talking about how love endures like that to me. I mean, what more of an example that Christ laid and he endured to the end, right? When he didn't have to. So do we know Jesus intimately? Do we, do we want to know him intimately? 
Do we want to know what, what that's going to take and require? If y'all will go with me to Matthew 16. Thirteen through fifteen. And I guess I pray that my heart comes across this morning what God's burning in my spirit for my life. And it's you know, there's a I've been talking about this place of rest, you know, and in Hebrews where it he's he says to fear that you don't enter that place. And I got to looking up the where it relates, that word relates in Scripture, and it relates right back into Acts with Ananias and Sapphira, that place of fear. So he must be pretty serious about receiving something, right? <clears throat> Do I take the seriousness of that invitation? Or do I, do I look at it as, you know, I showed up today on Resurrection Sunday to church. I did my part. I brought my family. And when I go home, what does is, what is my atmosphere look like? But I did the right thing, correct? When I meet Jesus, is he going to ask me, did you show up to Easter Sunday? Like when I meet him face to face. So I'm, I'm thinking about Pilate. When he's seen him face to face, all that stuff passes away. He sees through the, right through the heart of the matter. Jesus sees my heart. He, he, he uh, we, we're so funny people. Like we think we can like fool everyone, you know. Um, and I've done it too, but Jesus sees right through us. And when we have leadership and brothers that love Jesus as much as they do, they can see right through. We, we can all day long keep this thing going and they're like, man, I see it. I see you're hurting, but you know, what's okay. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to go through some things. The enemy doesn't want resurrection in our life, does he? He wants to keep us in a place of not being resurrected. As I read the scriptures and as I read God's heart, what is God's heart? He came and gave everything of himself to restore his bride and have a family, right? He just confirms it over and over through the word of God. That's what he came for. So then, then, in, then Tyler and we all individually have to come to a place where expose our hearts, Lord. Am, am, I, am I wanting resurrection for me? Or am I wanting resurrection for my family? Sometimes, where does the power of being resurrected come from? comes from the death of something, right? So is, am I willing to die for my family to be resurrected? 
And so this morning, I mean, just this week, God's just, I don't know, I've just been burning and stirring inside me that, Lord, show me my heart and show me really where I'm at and what is salvation. And it says we go from glory to glory. So I can't show up or do what, what so-called I'm supposed to do and be okay. It's a daily giving myself to Christ, right? When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. What are, the, what are the people saying about me, the Son of Man? Who do they say that I, who do they believe I am? They answered, some are convinced you are John the baptizer. Others say you're Elijah, reincarnated, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But you, who do you say that I am, Jesus asked. The scripture right here is really... Uh, touched my heart <clears throat> several years ago when I was in Andrews we had a, a ranch rodeo team if you all don't know what that is but it's a, it's a team that competes in a, a bunch of events and it was it was for a cowboy church and they all asked us to pick one verse to put on our shirts and this is the verse I picked I didn't have no idea what I was saying <laughs> The more and more this verse just keeps reaching out to me, and it's Tyler. Who who do you say that I am? And it and it's right with there what's going on with Pilate. You know, individually you can ask yourself, who do you say Jesus is to you? Not it who he is according to our pastor or to other leaders. Who is he to you? And who, so in saying something, how do I talk? I've been trying to teach this to my kids this week, and I need to follow the same advice, is uh, we don't talk with our words, we talk with our actions, right? So, so when I say something, I'm saying it through my lifestyle. Am I living, am I living this? Well, how do I live it if I don't know him? So to me, this, this question can be for all of us. Who, who do you say that he is in your life? And when Chad said that this morning about uh, when Christ ro rose again, there is, a, there is a joy to us that are sons. But there's a fear also if you're not where you need to be. And when he said that this morning, it just, I don't know, it just changed my like, it twisted my head around to going, man, like, do we truly understand that? Do we truly like, do we get, get what he's saying right there? That there is a seriousness to what he did. And we, we want to say in our minds, yeah, yeah, we, we understand that was serious. Do we really? Like, like when, when I go outside and, and respond, what am I responding with? Or like me getting up here. This is serious. 
Everything that I say, everything that I act, and it's not just what I say up here, it's how I live my life. But there's an awesome thing when Jesus entered with Pilate and he was being ridiculed and he came as a lamb and he, and he bowed and he, he laid, he submitted under and, and he said, I'm not of this world and he chose not to answer and he, he let the insults and they, they punched him in the face and they beat him and just, I can't imagine what he went through. And he laid low. But Sunday morning came. And when he rose again, the line of the tribe of Judah came forth. And as Chad was talking, can you imagine what he was saying earlier about <clears throat> when he walked into hell? He didn't go on there as a lamb anymore. He walked through as a lion that rose and conquered Y'all don't mind, I want to read a couple of some verses that I just, that God was just stirring in me this week. And hopefully everybody can hang with me here. Um, it's John 12, 24. We read this in men's, uh, men's group this week. And it just really, really touched me here. John 12, 24 through 26. This is after the triumphal entry. In 20, it says, Now there were a number of foreigners from among the nations who were worshipers at the feast. They went to Philip, and they asked him, Would you take us to see Jesus? We want to see him. So in this passage, it refers back to John 1 where John, where John the Baptist's disciples were following Jesus and they turned around, he turned around and, and he asked them, what do they want? And he told them to come and see. So, so, so Philip went to Andrew and then they both went to inform Jesus. He replied to them, now is the time of the Son of Man to be glorified. And he says this, let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat. All because one grain died. The person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple, follow me and you will go where I'm going. And if you truly follow me as my disciple, the Father will shower his favor upon your life. And, the, and I, as I looked up that part about the Father showering favor, it also says that the Father sees value in you. What, is it, what does it take for the Father to see value in me? We know it's what Jesus has already done. But also, there's a call for me to do something too. Make sense? There I go again. Making sense. 
Y'all hear what I'm saying? That uh, it, it requires Tyler to have something in this too. And it requires all of us too. I use my name as an example, but I think all of us need to be put in there. Are you, are you willing to go where the Lord wants you to go? Are you willing to, to, to abandon all, everything in your life? Are you willing to abandon everything to follow Him? And when we do that, it says the Father values us. And so much in my past life, when I went to church, everybody, the, the, the thing that was preached was, you know, success. God wants to bless your finances, which I believe that. But it was all about promoting me. Anybody else ever heard that in your life? You know, God wants you to have the desires of your heart and all that. Okay, what does that mean? Well, desires to me was an earthly thing, was a natural thing. Well, all of a sudden, the more we get to know God's word and who Jesus is, he's not about this natural life, is he? He's about a kingdom. He'll call some of us to quit our jobs and he'll call us to do those things. But I think he calls all of us in our hearts to abandon the job. Does that make sense? He calls all of us in our hearts to abandon anything that wants to, that wants to get a hold of us. And if we lay all that self stuff down, to me, that's where the power of the resurrection comes. <clears throat> you know, as I think about this deal with Pilate, he, he keeps going back and forth trying to figure out how to wash his hands of this situation. Anybody in here ever been in a scenario where you think, I'm just going to wash my hands of this? You know, you just, does that make sense? Sometimes we think we're not involved enough to do that. But you know what? This is what I found out. You're already involved by that point. We think by not making a decision... We're okay. But by not making a decision, you've already made a decision. So you can think all day long, well, I'm going to wash my hands of this. I'm just going to show up. I'm going to do my, my right thing today on Easter. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to, I'm going to do the right things through the week. And several, several years ago, the first time I ever got to talk in front of anybody, the Lord had me, the, the thing that I talked about, was, was, was about marriage. And I asked these people, and this is what God was showing me that week, was how would you view me as a person if I told my wife, um, you know, you just stay put for about 10 years, okay? You do the right things, and I'm gonna go cheat on you I'm going to go run around on you, and I'm going to have fun. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, but you stay pure. How would you view me as a man? 
Okay, then I gave this other scenario. How would you view me as a man if I showed up to church every time the doors opened? I was early to work. I worked hard, worked late. I put all these, I did all the right things, right? How would you view me? And a lot of the people said, oh, you're a good person. But if my heart ain't dedicated to Jesus, then I'm no different than another person. So we got to evaluate our hearts and ask the, seek, ask the Lord where we are at. What is our purpose? Why are we here? Are we here to make money? Are we here to influence things for ourselves and call it ministry? When you start doing things and you put God on your deal, that's a scary place. And we need to repent if we've done that. So I want to go to, to 1 Corinthians 15. Thirty-six through thirty-eight here. Foolish man, don't you know that what you sow on the ground doesn't germinate unless it dies? And what you sow in the body, that it will come into being. But the bare seed, and it's hard to tell whether it's wheat or some other seed. But when it dies, thank you. God gives it a new form, a body to fulfill his purpose, and he sees to it that each seed gets a new body of its own and becomes the plant he designed it to be. Like I was sharing in the, in the uh, rest stuff about the process. Not, we don't like the process. Especially a process of dying. And it's not me focusing on the death. What, what I'm trying, what I'm really burning in me is focusing on is Jesus. And I want his resurrection power to resurrect in me. And I want my heart to be about him and not me some sort of glorified earthly kingdom and calling it the Lord. Has anybody in here ever done that in your life? Have you ever prayed for something and I, I want to I pray for this ministry, but in your heart, it's, it's, it's really for you. Has anybody, has anybody in there been there except me? He sees those things. He sees and he wants his body purified because he's coming back. And he's serious because when he comes back, he's coming back as the line of Judah. Can we get that and get the understanding that we need to have a place of reverent fear and honor for the king of kings? And he's not going to put up with us using his name like that anymore. Because it, it is very important that the people of God hear the word and hear the truth. They don't need a coddling pat on the butt. They need a whooping in the butt is what they need. Why? To be resurrected. To see him as he wants to be seen. And it, we have to see ourselves for where we are in order to be where we want to be. To me... 
That sounds encouraging to me. Because when my father chastens me, it blesses me because he sees me as a son, that, that, that he sees potential in. Does that make sense? He sees potential in all of us. Don't, don't hear me wrong there. We're all, we're all there. But we choose what we receive. We can either receive or reject, reject the, the chastisement of the Lord. How, what are we going to do? This invitation of marriage. What does that mean? When we see Jesus that done what he done, like so, so in my marriage, how do I relate that to my marriage? Is it, is it a one-sided thing? Does that make sense? So, so, so in my circumstance, that means I can do whatever I want. Lindsay can be the perfect pure one. Or does it take two of us? Does it take two hearts that want to be pure? Does it take two hearts that are going to sacrifice? Does it take two hearts that are going to lay things down? And sometimes to get to the two, it takes one. It takes what Jesus did until the other one gets strong enough and pure enough and resurrected. And then you both can. But there's a process sometimes you got to go through that it, it feels alone and it feels hard. And Friday and Saturday and by Saturday night, you feel like you can't do it anymore. You're worn out, you're tired, you're burned out, and I can't do this, Lord. But the man that says, I, I can't believe, but help me with my unbelief, that's all he asks of us. We can be honest and go, Lord, I can't do this. But you can in me. Fill me with you. That's, <clears throat> that's what it takes sometimes in this process. And it's not easy. But when Jesus conquered what he conquered, was it easy for him? Everyone abandoned him. Can you imagine being humiliated on the cross, went through everything he went through up to this point, and everybody has left him. His closest friends denied him. They said, oh, I'm, I'm going to be there. And then they denied him. So everything wasn't perfect in his scenario, was it? I want to read this, this verse. Um, I can find it here. Appreciate y'all's patience with my, uh, this uh, cowboy running a computer. It's, it's a little slow, so. <laughs> I do appreciate everybody listening and hearing me out here.
Got too many notes going different directions. <laughs> so when it's it's in John nineteen. Uh, I'll start in verse 28. He'd been on the cross, and this is where he was at the end of it. And it says, Jesus knew that his mission was accomplished, and to fulfill the scriptures, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting nearby, so they soaked a sponge with it and put it on the stalk of hyssop and raised it to his lips. When he had sipped the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Now, this is the passion. And I read this in other translations, but listen to what he, the way it's translated here. It says, it is finished, my bride. Then he bowed his head and surrendered his spirit to God. When I read that, it just floored me. Like, I never had seen it, him word it like that. He's taking his last breath and he says, wife, it's accomplished. I did it for you. What an awesome father. What an awesome savior. So what does that mean? That means he was looking at me when he was taking his last breath. So in my circumstance with my marriage, am I willing to go to those links even if my wife wasn't doing the right things? Even if she was, even things were hard, am I willing to suffer and die and wait and plead and endure with love till the end? Am I able to do that? Jesus did it for me and you. And if I have a heart like Jesus, then I want to be willing to do it for my wife. And that's how serious he is about his covenant with us. But I need to be willing to do it for you guys. Am I willing? Am I willing to die so that someone else can resurrect? And like I said earlier, sometimes it takes that one person being that to hold it together so the other one can come. And I know that is what Chad has done for me. He was enough until I started. And sometimes I'm sure he's like, golly, come on, you know, <laughs> and and. That's the love of Jesus, right? And that's what Jesus has done for us. And so he wants to restore us unto him and restore our hearts, resurrect us. Yes, for us. He loves us. But it's, it's so that we can help the next person. And I truly believe that we are in the end times and, it, and we, are, we are in a serious position right now. That we don't take his words lightly. 
that, that we understand and, and we, we look at this word of God and go, how does this apply in my heart? How does this apply in my life? And if there's something in me that needs to be corrected, it's so easy. He just calls us to repentance and unto him. So I'm going to read this one more time. I read it earlier. This is where I was headed, though. This is very early Sunday morning before sunrise. Mary Magdalene made her way to the tomb. And when she arrived, she discovered that the stone that sealed the entrance to the tomb was moved away. So she went running as fast as she could to go tell Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved. She told them, they've taken the Lord's body from the tomb, and we don't know where he is. When there's resurrection, there's not going to be drifting down the street going to buy a Coke. You know what I mean? When there's resurrection in your life and there's been something that's been dead and he resurrects and heals and restores you, if anybody's been there, that's it. There's glory and there's honor and we glorify the King of Kings. He's resurrecting his people. And he, his, his, his invitation is to be one with him. It's not to do a so-called right thing through the week. It's not so do the so-called thing right in front of the pastor. It's, he's called us, as to be, he's inviting us to be one with him. And there is a requirement that he asks of us to give back to him. And he's asking Tyler to give his life, to abandon everything, to do it for the gospel, to do it for the kingdom. He's asking me that. He doesn't tell me to do anything. It's, a, it's an invitation. And that was my heart this morning when I took communion. Is, Lord, I want, to, I want to say yes to your invitation. I want to say yes to you. As we know when... Uh, a natural wedding to death do us part. What's so cool? I'm alive forever. So what does that mean? I'm never apart. I'm one with the king forever. And when we have this fire in us, it doesn't matter what persecution, tribulation, no matter what comes up in a relationship, in our lives, no matter what that is, there's resurrection in him. And one thing the Lord's been showing me is I can't release something I don't own myself. So I want to own a place of intimacy with him so that my life, my breathing life can release it into my brothers and sisters around me. So I want to live in such a way that it's not just about me, it's about blessing everyone else. And I don't want to um, 
be so bogged down with my life, my burdens, the heaviness that there's just lots that are going on right now with everybody. And I've gone through a lot myself, but I made a mistake for a little bit without realizing it. I was, I was relaying my heaven burdens on my wife and my children. Has anybody ever done that? If they allowed work or just circumstances or things, if you ever allowed the heaviness of that and you did, you ever bring it home? You didn't have to really say anything or do anything. They just felt just the heaviness of the load. But what's so cool about Jesus is he took that upon himself and he released life into me. And so this morning, just question, you know, just ask yourself, where am I at in this? If you're perfectly perfect, then praise God. And if not, I pray this calls you to even a higher place, even if you are perfect. I want to go higher with Christ. I don't want to get stagnant. I don't want to stop. I want to keep moving from glory to glory. I want his resurrection power to not only be in me, but to flow out of me. As Jesus came and was, was resurrected and he met him again, what, did, what does he say to them when he sees them and when Thomas is doubting him? Peace. He released a peaceful rest upon those men. I want to own something in such a way that I can release it upon you guys. And if each, end of, each one of us is willing to take that invitation... That he's inviting us individually to. What if we all were breathing? It's like I can see this heart just like pumping. Makes sense? Gideon last night got him a telescope at Target or something. And he was outside looking at all the stars. And he goes, look, Dad, they're, they're moving. That's just how I see what God's doing in all of us. We're a heartbeat. And God's blood's pumping. And it's powerful. And it's warrior. And the line of Judah is inside of us. And as we're pumping and moving, we're going to release. What if every one of us was like that? Just in this room. What could we do this in, this in this community? God's calling us to a higher place to heal us in our homes and our marriages. But he's doing this so that we can be effective out there. Because it's like that rock and that ripple effect. It's just going to scatter, Right? And so this morning, I, this is just what the Lord had for me and, or had for me to share. And I just ask you this morning, do you know him? Do you really know him? Do you know his heart? Do you know what's on his mind? Do you know, do you know Jesus? If you do, awesome. If you don't, he desires you so much. He desires to you to know him. Salvation prayer is awesome, but it's a lifestyle. It's a heart cry. So this morning, in the name of Jesus, Father God, I just come to you with, with this group of people, and I thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that this is, this is Resurrection Sunday. And you were destined to rise again. And you did. And I pray for these people right now in Jesus' name. If there's anything in their life that feels dead. That they're praying about. That they're seeking about. That Father God you speak to it. And that you resurrect life in them.
And then, Father God, we, we began to have such a hunger for you. Not for our circumstances anymore. Not to be elevated anymore. But we have such a hunger for you that we're willing to carry the wood to the altar so that you can be resurrected in someone else. Give us such a hunger for you that we're willing to abandon everything in this life and lift you up on high. And Father God, I ask that everyone here, as they walk out and they leave, that their week will be blessed and prosperous, productive. But that, Father, you will stir in their hearts Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday on the job, in the workplace. The wives that are staying home with their children. That your Holy Spirit would have an encounter with each and every one. And show them and teach them things that they haven't seen yet. And stir up in their spirit to be the disciples you've called them to be. To go make other disciples. That Pentecost will happen in their homes and their workplaces. That we'll hear stories of, of the Lord showing up and healing people, restoring people, saving people, and restoring them back to you through the lifestyle of who these people are in Jesus' name. That we hunger and thirst for your righteousness, and these things will be added. And Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.